Welcome back to the 150K Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Graham, where we take your dreams to six figures and beyond. Today, I'm with special guest, Nick Wango of Building Grit. We've been having some fun with uh, trying to get our technology stuff to work today, but hey, we're here now. Nick, for the people that don't know you, tell me a little bit about your background and your mission to help people. Yeah, Joe, this is like a much try number five while it's starting to try to get this to happen. Anyways, yeah, I'm uh, super stoked to be on the co- podcast. I really appreciate you having me on as a guest. Uh, those of you that don't know me, my name is Nick Wingo. I was a firefighter for 18 years and I had a wild ride, I had a wild career. I had some crazy stuff happen to me. And through my journey, uh, I founded Building Grit. And what Building Grit is, is about is it's just about uh, my journey as a firefighter and the fact that I lost 10 friends uh, throughout my, my career and uh, five of those friends were to suicide. And so what's going on in the fire service that a lot of people are not talking about is the fact that it's estimated that three to 500 firefighters are committing suicide every year. And I was one of those that could have been a statistic. Uh, however, I have chosen to use my story and my journey and all the shit that I've been through to help other people. And so I've created a nonprofit and the nonprofit, what it does is it pays for the mental health treatment of firefighters. So they don't have to come out of pocket for that. Because what I found out was is that when I went to get help and get my treatment, uh, I had to pay $5,000 out of pocket out of my own money. And I, I, I just, I, I felt like that was wrong and it didn't yeah. feel right. And it felt really off. And I want to just create an environment where nobody is ever deterred from getting the mental health treatment that they need that was not caused by them. It was caused by their work. Uh, I don't want cost to be a reason as to why they won't get that mental health treatment they, they need. And so there's a lot of organizations out there that are, have programs to help people and they have all these things, right? But what there is not is there is not a nonprofit profit organization in place to just provide the funding, provide the funding for these, for these people to get the mental health treatment they need you know, going, well, once you get to that point where you're kind of over the threshold and you need to go into an inpatient treatment facility, it costs a lot of money, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And often what happens is that the fire departments are just not willing to cover that cost. They're just not willing to fork out the money for that. And so I just want to make sure that, that those people, those men and women get the, the treatment that they need and they're not being pushed away from it. And so that's kind of, you know, where I come from and, and a little bit of as to why I'm doing what I'm doing. So, yeah. And I commend you for that. Like, um, I know we've tried to talk a few different times and I remember like the last time we talked, I didn't even think about it. Cause when I think firefighters, I think running into the building, saving people. And I forget to go to the car accidents, the other stuff. And they, you know, you guys do care for people. And so you have a lot of, you know, images that most people can't deal with and right, then just exactly. the seeing and feeling and hearing and all that stuff. Um, so with that, I know you started a nonprofit and all, and you've had your own story with going through it, but what are some other things that like first responders maybe run into that we just don't recognize, you know, cause again, like I said, I just think, and if you see it on TV, you see the firefighter and he's climbing a ladder and there's a fire and it looks all glorious. I'm sure there's like a lot of craziness that you have to deal with and all. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this is a common misconception to people when, when I first speak to them is that you hear a firefighter and people think like, oh, firefighters, they fight fires. Well, that's so far from the reality. Most firefighters, uh, you know, lots of firefighters have never even actually been in to fight a fire. There's uh, several people out there that are fi- working in the fire department that never, never even actually fought a fire. And so, you know, for me, you would see maybe 10 or 11 fires a year. 
what you're seeing is we go on medical calls. We go on to, you know, uh, to assist people. We go, we go to all the, th- like 911, when you dial 911 and they don't know who to send, they send the fire department yep. because we're the fix it guys. We fix everything. We are the ones when you don't know what to do with your situation, we're the ones that come in and we take care of it. It's just who we are as individuals. And so, you know, we run on medical calls. We run on the the, the cat in the tree and it legit happens. However, there's never a, yeah, have you ever seen a cat skeleton in a tree? No. They, they always come down. So yep. uh, they always come down. <laughs> there's no reason to call the fire department if you see the cat in the tree. Yeah. Uh, although people still do. Yeah. You know, we run on um, just water, water leaks and fire alarms and, you know, car accidents and, 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 and every situation you can think of water rescues, um, you know, all these things when there's an emergency, when you call 911, you think about what you would call 911 for, you are going to get the fire department there. That's, we are going to come when you call. That's just what we do. Uh, so we see uh, death, you know, I, I dealt with multiple, multiple dead, dead children and multiple, uh, you know, thousands and thousands of deaths throughout my career. And, uh, you know, murders and all these things that you don't think about that uh, firefighters see. And so to kind of put it in perspective, to really give you kind of an idea what it can be like, legitimately what military veterans go out and see in war, we see that on U.S. soil, mm-hmm. right? That's our normal. That's what we deal with on a day-to-day basis. So I may go in and see somebody that was murdered have somebody try to stab me all in one shift and then go home and have to act normal and be, you know, just right back into the normal day-to-day life stuff. And it's, it's a difficult thing to do. It's a difficult thing to, to maneuver through. Yeah. Uh, it's not easy. It's not easy at all. No. And you're like the forgotten ones from my perspective. Cause like, if I get calls, I get called for like police officers. I hear stuff about military. You never hear much about besides, Oh, the firefighter did something cool, but you don't right. hear like support groups or anything like that. And with, and I always say it wrong, but with all the, like the PTSD and stuff that you have to deal with, cause that, that will mess you up. I'm sure. Oh, um, absolutely. And then there's, and I know like government will say there's, there's not enough funding, blah, 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 whatever. But you guys don't get paid that much. And then to expect you to go and get your treatment taken care of on top of it. I, yeah, that's, I commend you for having, having this nonprofit you're building because I think it's a need that people just don't realize is there because they just they don't, don't think about it. Yeah. Just lack of education to the what's going on. And, you know, most people at some level have a firefighter that they know that's in their circle. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they will have a, a family member or a friend, somebody that is, a firefighter, and they will not know that that person is, is silently suffering. In, in fact, seven out of 10 firefighters walk around with undiagnosed PTSD. I believe it. That's yep. just a fact. Um, you know, that could be affected by, uh, you know, when did the person come into the fire department? If they come in after frontal lobe development, uh, which is at the age of 26, then there is some change in that. You can see a lot uh, lower rate of PTSD. However, most firefighters are going to go through some form of PTSD throughout their career. I would challenge and say that every single firefighter is going to have some form of PTSD, but you know how that goes. There's always an exception to the rule. Well, some yeah. people can just maneuver thing, through things differently than other people. Uh, however, the vast majority will experience PTSD at some point in their career, and it's heavy. There's a lot of heavy shit they're going to have to deal with and go through, yeah. and so that's why it's so important to me to be doing what I'm doing. And you're right. We, we, you know, the average firefighter salary 
$50,000. So $50,000 a year, that average salary across the U.S., that's 10% of your income, $5,000 before taxes go get treatment for something that was not even really your fault. Right. It's not right. It's wrong. And it needs to be fixed. And, and, you know, I can get out there and spread word and help people understand what's really going on. So we can help these people help the, help the first responders that are helping you and that are there at your becking call. Yeah, no, no, I agree hundred percent. Cause I'm thinking back now, like my dad was a volunteer firefighter. My wife's dad was a volunteer firefighter. I think you actually might be, have been a firefighter. My uncle was a firefighter. We have a I have a cousin now that just became a firefighter and I know like my dad and uncle, they would talk a little bit, but they wouldn't talk about what happened when you would go do the fire, unless it was like a funny story. Cause you know, guys, you guys would talk about the funny stuff, but you could tell there'd be days they'd come home and they were just wouldn't talk. Um, and that just leads me to like mental health in general, especially for, you know, people that work as first responders and all, um, what type of treatments are even out there for them? Like what, what what's and if this is too much to tell me, but what, what's helped you with it? I know you've gone through it and like you've done some of the treatment stuff. What has helped you get down that trail? Yeah. So for me, it, it was legitimately going to get treatment um, at, at Mar- in Maryland at the center of excellence. It's a facility that's created specifically for firefighters and within that therapy, um, you know, there's several different types of therapy that can be done. There's a, oh, <laughs> sorry. Oh, no we're worries. Having, we're having, we're having great time here with technology. Hey, we love this stuff. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So um, there is all kinds of different therapies that are out there, you know, talk therapy. Um, there is, there's uh, right now, some of the biggest things that I'm doing for myself is I'm doing, um, doing uh, cold dips. So I'm doing cold water where I'm doing, you know, cold water for three to five minutes at a time. I'm also doing sauna uh, every day at 140 degrees for 45 minutes with no water. Mm -hmm. The reason I do those things is, is because my mind is cyclic. And so when I get into these uh, thinking processes, I cannot stop my thinking processes. It's just this thing where I get in this circle and circle and circle. And so the reason I do those things is because it breaks my cycle Mm -hmm. uh, and it helps me just stop and take a deep breath. And the only thing I can think about when I'm in cold water is how bad it sucks in cold water (laughs) because it sucks really bad, Uh, but it helps me a ton. Mm -hmm. You know, having morning routines is huge journaling, uh, you know, just getting in touch with your emotions. You know, so many people think that they're in touch with their, their emotions, but I I would challenge most people and to uh, really look at that and really see if you really do know what your emotions really are because I thought I did. Uh, and when somebody handed me what was called an emotion wheel, I looked at the emotion wheel and I was like, what the, what is this thing? I didn't even know I could feel these emotions that they were showing me. And now I'm at the point where I like, I'm starting to come so in touch with my emotions that I can tell you exactly what my body feels mm-hmm. before I know that that emotion is coming. Cause I can recognize like, okay, when I get angry, my, my face starts to get flush red and my eyes start to bug out and my forehead starts to raise. I can feel those things happening in my body before I even recognize that I'm okay. I'm about to get pissed off. I'm about to be mad, yeah. you know? And so I'm starting to really get in touch with all that stuff. And so a lot of that is just really getting in touch with who you are as an individual and how your mind works and how you think through things. Um, you know, there's EMDR, 
Um, there is, there's just so many different therapies out there right now. It's, it's, uh, it's pretty cool. The other one that's showing promising one that I have not done yet, uh, but that is starting to show some super promising results is MDMA, uh, psilocybin. MDMA right now, they've got a 70% success rate with curing a PTSD. They took a hundred combat veterans that were resistant to all of their treatments. Mm -hmm. um, and 70% of those combat veterans walked out uh, having improvement in their symptoms. Actually, in fact, I, I believe in that study, every single one of them walked out with improvements. Uh, most of them walked out with uh, a, a significant reduction in, in, um, in symptoms. So no, there's that's a really lot good. of stuff. Yes. Yeah, so there's some really cool stuff that's going to be coming out uh, that some treatments are going to really change the way that we deal with PTSD and, and how we, how we do these therapies. So I'm really excited to see now where those things go and, and uh, how that kind of all unfolds. So. Yeah, no, that's, that's amazing. So like I've done the, when I was in Montana in May, I got in the glacier water and I did that whole cold dip. And I understand what you mean. They're a hundred percent. You can't think about anything else because you're just frozen. Um, but yeah, no, that's, that's good. So now it's just, let's find a way to get it funded. You know, that way they have the opportunity to do it. You know, it isn't, I mean, firefighters, police officers, everyone that does first responders, ambulance people, you guys are running into dangers. You're kind of like protecting people, helping people. I mean, as a society, if we're going to support a group, it should be you guys. I mean, that would make sense. Um, so have you been doing like a lot of like speaking engagements or just how are you getting the message out more? Yeah. So I, I wrote my book. Uh, and so I'm just getting my book into people's hands and I'm just now starting to kind of engage in some speaking engagements. Uh, right now we're going to, we're working on uh, putting together a gala to uh, kind of, really kind of just kick off the nonprofit. So we've got a lot of things in the works right now. We're just kind of waiting for that. We're, we're waiting on that stamp of approval for the government for the 501c3. And as soon mm -hmm. as that happens, we're going to go full board with this thing. Uh, I just, I need that stamp of approval before we yep. can, we can really get this thing going. So we're just at the very infant stages of this. I'm excited which, to see where it's going to go, though. Which will be good because then if I know, understand my uh, nonprofits right, then you can have businesses give you donations. You can have people give you donations. You can kind of have the whole gambit. Is that how that one's set up? Exactly. Yep, that's exactly right. And so we're going to be able to take donations from anybody who's willing to just help these help these people out and give them the legitimate help that they need. So. And we're definitely not done, but I always like to do in the middle. Tell people where they can, since we're talking about it right now, where they can find you and support you in this type of stuff. And get yeah, your book. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. The easiest place to find me is just to go to my website. My website is nickwingo.com, N-I-C-K-W-I-N-G-O.com. It's got all the things that's going on. It'll direct you to all the book. Uh, I have a give back program where you can purchase the book for other people to, to give to them. Uh, we're going to have some apparel coming out real soon. Uh, the hat, this is the first hat actually right here. Nice. Uh, so we're going to be selling hats and uh, just t-shirts and some jerseys and such, some things that we can start to raise some funds. Our goal is to next year uh, to pay for 10 treatments. And so that's a $50,000 mm -hmm. goal. Uh, so be standing by to uh, help us to get to that point. Any help that anybody can give us, we'll, we'll be super grateful for. And, and, uh, and you will legitimately be, be saving people's lives. And, you know, this is your brothers, your sisters, your, uh, your sons, your daughters, you know, it's, it's not just the individual who is the one needing treatment, but it just goes so far spread because these individuals are, uh, these, these, these individuals are, they have families, right? They yeah. have other people that are depending on them. And so what we're doing 
is not only helping just one person, we're helping everybody else around them too. Because what, what people don't understand is the effects that happen to the family members mm-hmm. of these people. I mean, it is just any person who's, you could speak to my wife on this, any person who's going through PTSD, their closest family members suffer uh, often yeah. just as bad as they do because of how bad symptoms can be, how difficult things can be for those people to, to maneuver through. I mean, for me, I was only sleeping two hours a night, you figure, and I'm sleeping next to my wife. And so that affects her because yep. I'm up so often. Uh, my outburst and anger affected her. It affected my kids. It put them in a terrible position. And so what we're doing is helping, like I said, so many people beyond just those individuals that we're helping. Yeah. No, because it, it has that ripple effect. So if you can get them help, then it's going to help their family, the kids, the people around them, because it's going to make it better. No, I, I get that 100%. I get that yeah, 100%. Absolutely. That's why I feel like this, uh, what I'm doing is, is, it's, you know, it's really a big deal. It's a really big deal to be, to be doing what we're doing, because I, I legitimately have not been able to find anybody else that's doing just this, just yeah. providing funding, right? Uh, so often it's programs, it's this, it's that. Well, how do we get, how do we fund those programs? How do we get the people into that? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, there's still that cost. And so we got to cover that for those, for those people. We got to cover it. Yeah. And I think what will happen just as kind of, kind of picturing what you're talking about, once you have your nonprofit all going to businesses and saying, Hey, can you help me? Can you sponsor one firefighter, two firefighters or whatever people that you're looking to do, they're going to want to be involved in it because now it's not just, Hey, here, we're going to sell a bunch of cups, whatever. It's going to be like, we're helping uncle Louie, or we're helping aunt Minnie, whoever, whoever the, the person is that they care about, because they're going to be like, okay, cool. Now I have a place I can put it in with your organization. You're actually being the change, not just out there saying, Hey, give me money for something and 5% of it goes to it. You're like, Hey, we're raising money to get these men and women. Cause there can be women firefighters as well. Help. So that's, that's, I love it, man. I do. I think it's great. Thank you. I appreciate that. So what's next for you? So right, right now I know you're building the building grit and all, and then you're going, so you're starting, once you get to 5013, you're going to start doing some like in-person events. What, what's your marketing strategy? I guess is my ask. On the- uh, yeah. So we're going to be doing, uh, so the biggest thing is just going to be speaking engagements to get out and, and spread the word. Uh, You know, for me, I'm an individual who looks at things much differently than your average individual does. And so I can give so much perspective to things. I can just help people look at things very differently Mm -hmm. because coming from the space that I come from, um, I just look at things very differently than your average individual does, because I know what a true emergency looks like. I know what uh, I knew what, what true pain and suffering looks like. And in our lives, so often we get caught up in this this grind of, of, you know, woe is me and life is so difficult. And really it's, it's just not, it's not, you're making, you're making up a story in your life uh, that's destroying you. It's destroying you slowly. And and, and slowly over time, you're destroying yourself by the story that you're telling yourself. Mm -hmm. And so I can offer so much perspective um, and so much insight into just looking at things in life differently, looking at it from a completely different angle. Right. Uh, and so that's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be really focusing on getting on podcasts, 
uh, getting out and doing speaking engagements. In fact, I'm going to uh, Arrowhead Stadium on November 12th to uh, do a speaking engagement. I'm really excited about it. Nice. So. No, that's really cool. And and like I said, anyone in my network, if you need an introduction or if I know people that have podcasts, I definitely will hook you up on that for sure. Um, and you did say something that I thought was very, very interesting and true. You are unique, and I'm going to commend you for this because you're a firefighter that actually will talk about issues that you guys are facing. Because most firefighters I know, and I have them in my family, they won't talk about it, even though they're doing it. And it maybe because it's predominantly a male thing, we suffer in silence. We don't address our mental health. We don't address what we need to face. Um, and I think that's a big, huge need that, especially with you, with how you look and how you are, which is a compliment coming yeah, out and, and coming it. out with your feelings is huge yeah. because, you know, right. it's not like the little, for lack of a better term, not the little nerdy dude with the glasses saying something. It's like, you know, you're built, you got tattoos, you're like a man's man. So they'll respect yeah. you a little bit more when you go out and say stuff. So I think right. that's a huge issue right now. Absolutely. It's, you know, and then and where that comes from is it's not just being a man um, in the fire service. We have bred, a environment that it's um, not okay to not be okay. Right. And so what I, what I was taught, you know, and this is starting to change slowly, but surely it's starting the environment starting to change as people are standing up and saying like, this is not right. uh, Myself included. But what has happened is that over the years, we were taught to shove our emotions down and not talk about our shit and not talk about uh, how it was going because people saw it as weakness. They saw it as weakness. They Mm -hmm. saw it as something that, you know, if you were not okay, then you couldn't do the job, yeah. right? It directly reflected your mental health and the way that you responded directly reflected to if you could or could not do the job, which is bullshit. It's not the truth. Yeah. The truth is, is that if we would share our emotions, if we would be in touch with ourselves, we would avoid so much pain and suffering because we are not meant to take all the stuff that we see and shove it down, right? right? right. Um, and the other problem is, is that I want, if you're listening to this podcast, I want you to think about uh, maybe a death that you've had in your life or maybe an accident you've seen or uh, maybe some type of emergency situation you've seen. Think about the feeling that you had from that. Think about the emotion that you had to that. Think about how uh, it elevated you and made you uncomfortable. And, um, you know, you had that big rush in your body of like, whoa, what the heck is going on? Right. Mm-hmm. Well, what happens is, is that when you're in these situations all the time, you start to be desensitized to that stuff. Over time, you just don't get the response out of it. Uh, and that's not healthy. That's no, not normal. No, not at all. Not normal for you to not have a response to that type of stuff. And, you know, that is such a big reason as to why we end up having the problems we have is because we are not having normal responses, Right. And then not normal responses, shove stuff down, mm-hmm. which leads to the suicides because all that, and then, you know, so just takes one thing, one thing, one day that triggers you and sets you off. And then that's it. You take your life. Yeah. Um, you know, it's crazy. It's crazy to think. And it's, it's unfortunate and sad, but that's just the truth. And that's why it's so important. The work that I'm doing, uh, you know, and it's, it's near and dear to me because five friends, you know, yeah. Five friends committed suicide. That's five too many. And if I can, if I can help just one person, it's worth every bit of my effort to do what I'm doing. I'm convinced that I will help millions of people Mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, there is, there's a million firefighters across the U S however, I see it as just helping so many other people just beyond the firefighters. Right. Right. Because my perspective on PTSD and, and, and how things work and, 
how I'm maneuvering through this can translate into so many different people's lives. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And the lives of the people around them and all. Yeah, no, I, I, I get it. It, it's one of those things, like you mentioned that where if you keep pushing it down, pushing it down, pushing it down, it has to come out somewhere. And if you address it, then it's not fun, but it's better to address it and have someone you can either talk to or do the different therapies you mentioned. And then having the ability to relate with people that are like you that have gone through it, I'm sure kind of like war buddies, like they went through hell together. So they're there. Well, same thing with fire buddies. You guys went through hell, but if you had a support system where, well, like you said, it wasn't like pushed down, but just encouraged to say, yeah, we did look at a bunch of shit. We need to address this so that we can cope and keep doing things. So. Right. Yeah. And that's why I'm hopeful for some of these new treatments that are coming out. Like, uh, you know, I'm super intrigued by this MDMA thing. I'm super intrigued by this psilocybin thing. And I'm, I'm really excited to see where those type of things go, because if those, if we can start to get some of those treatments into mainstream, mm -hmm. uh, especially for our first responders, for military personnel, those things could be legitimately the, uh, the game changer for the, for the industry. So I'm, I'm excited to see where that stuff goes. And you said MDMA theory, is that the one, a uh, trivia, is that the one with the lights? Uh, no. So EMDR is with lights. MDMA gotcha. is psycho assisted uh, therapy. It's MDMA is, uh, it's a, it's the drug MDMA. Gotcha. Um, yep. There's uh, several studies that several of the large universities are doing on it. Like I said, I haven't been able to participate in any of that because it's still just in studies right now. Right. But the studies are starting to show some very promising results. No, that's good. Any way we can help people um, and all, that's a good thing to do. You know? Yep. Absolutely. 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 So what else am I missing from you or what you're trying to do? Do we miss anything? I always like to make sure I cover all of it. I mean, we could talk on a bunch of other stuff if you want, but like, I want to make sure we stick because this is such an important issue. I don't want to go yeah. on a rabbit trail on other stuff. Oh, uh, no, man. I mean, that's, you know, my mission is simply to help firefighters get the mental health treatment they need, show them that they're not alone, show them that it's okay to not be okay, show them that what they're going through is normal, show them that if they're not sleeping at night, that's a problem. And it's not just part of the job. Because that's what I told myself is that not sleeping was just part of the job. And so I want to tell anybody that's listened to this podcast, if you're surrounded by family that's in the fire service, uh, just understand that they may not even know that they have PTSD. They may not even know or be willing to admit that they have PTSD. Yeah. How do I know that? Because I went through it. I was one of the ones that said, I mean, the doctor told me I had PTSD and I looked at her and told her that she was crazy and that she didn't know what she was talking about. Right. And so you know, I, I just want you to encourage you to encourage those that you're surrounded by to get the help that they need uh, and just to recognize what's going on and recognize that, hey, you know, maybe these people need help. Uh, how do you get them help? Well, give them my book. Mm -hmm. That's a great starting spot, you know, just for them to recognize and maybe just be open to the fact that they have PTSD could open up a door, you know, just start to slowly, gently say like, Hey, I'm here for you. And I think that, you know, you're struggling and, you know, I'm, I'm here to help you. What you don't want to do is shove anything into their face because they're just going to shut down and they're yep. not going to be interested. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. And for anyone listening here that knows of anyone that is a firefighter, first responder, share this episode with them. Anyone that has any speaking engagements, anything coming up, reach out to Nick, get him on your stage, get him on your stuff. Um, I think this is super important. Again, man, I appreciate you being on this. 
Um, I'm looking forward to seeing you hit and go way past your goal next year of 50,000. Love the goal. Hopefully it goes to 100, 200, 300, 500,000. It just rolls and, you know, gets that effect that you want to have with people. But yeah, man, thank you again for being on the show. I really appreciate you. Yeah, thank you, brother. We're uh, I think we finally got it nailed this time. Yes, yes, <laughs> we did. Surprise, we finally got it. So <laughs> I appreciate your persistence and uh, and working me with me here with uh, the equipment issues we had. Yeah, not a problem. And everyone listening, please, again, I'm going to do this ask. I don't always ask like this, but anyone you know, I mean, I know four people in my life that are firefighters. Send this episode to them. I know most of the time we talk about business, sales, and growth, but mental health is important. The people you love are important. And these people need Nick's book, his stuff, and to be able to get help. So please share that. And until next time, have a wonderful, awesome day. Thank you for listening to the 150K podcast, and we'll talk next time.